So good morning, Coastline family. Welcome to our Sunday experience. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series together uh, about where is God where it hurts, a particularly relevant subject for our time. And we're going to look at the Bible first thing uh, in this time together now around God's Word. Uh, if you've got an NIV Bible, I encourage you to track along with me. I'm going to read some selected verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we're going to go on just to a couple of verses in chapter 5 there. So NIV 2 Corinthians 4, here we go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And just a couple of verses there into chapter 5. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is, is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. This is the word of the Lord and we thank God for it. We thank him that it's absolutely true and he speaks to it uh, in our lives. Amen. So on Sunday the 9th of August 2015, my dear old mum, Doreen Duffin, sadly passed away after a short illness. She just celebrated her 90th birthday and she lived a good life, a full and happy life. And as the good book puts it, she died old and full of years. It was a hard day, of course, but she loved Jesus and the comfort of knowing that she was in the arms of the Lord she loved was a, such a great comfort and blessing to all of us. Just a week or so later at a funeral, a member of our family led the service and he read from this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, just that second part of the passage we've read together this morning. He recalled how my mum and dad had served faithfully on Hanson Dorset Christian youth camps for many, many years. And he went on to tell the story at the end of each camping season, uh, end of each summer, decisions had to be taken about the future of each of the, the camping tents. Some were fine and were okay to be packed away for another year. Some needed a few repairs, but just others were too old and too worn out and could no longer be lived in. The point he made was my dear old mum was bent over with arthritis, had a heart condition, had diabetes. We were just simply being reminded that her body and all of our bodies were not designed to last forever. And in my mum's case, the Lord looked down at her and realised it was time for her earthly tent to be packed away and be replaced with something far, far better, more permanent, longer lasting, a better place for her to live. 
And at the time of writing this second letter to the Corinthians, Paul is now a man who's in his 50s, perhaps being reminded of some of the frailties and limitations of his body. Something I can relate to a little bit, if I'm honest. Because I look at my body now, I'm a man in my 50s, and I look at my body and see some of the marks of the hardship of this life. My knees are a bit creaky. My back isn't as strong as it used to be. But Paul had a far, far tougher life than I had. In fact, extremely tough. If you flip over to chapter 11, he just tells a little bit of some of the suffering he had been through for the gospel. Uh, verse 24 of chapter 11 says, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. What was Paul was just telling us was it's been a tough life. But what I want to show you from God's word this morning is Paul's posture in the context of that. He makes this beautiful, beautiful statement in verse 16 there. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And as you've probably heard me say before, uh, and this is something that's recently happened to me as I've been studying God's Word and Paul's writings in particular, I've been impressed by how deliberate some of his use of the Greek, original Greek language was. And that's true again here because he really sort of exaggerates to make the point, I think. He says, though outwardly I am rotting away, it could be translated as literally that, rotting, rotting away, yet inwardly I am being revived, I am being renewed, I am being restored. What's he mean by that? Paul's saying, look, physically, I'm seeing the signs of old age and decay, but, but it makes me depend more and more on the saving grace of God. And as a result, I see something far, far better in me, something far greater going on deep, deep inside of me. And as I walk with the Lord, I can relate to this. I know I'm getting older physically, but I also see something going on inside me as I mature in Christ. Something far more wonderful that outweighs it all. As I grow old in Christ, I grow deeper in his grace. As I grow old in Christ, I see his renewing, his restoring, his refreshing, his reviving coming on me. Not that I'm anywhere near the finished article, but I see his gracious work on me in my inner man. And I don't know what your story is today. I don't know where you are on this road of suffering or what pain you're carrying right now or even how long you've been carrying that around. But I want to give you some encouragement right from God's word today. Don't lose heart. There is hope for you and for me in Christ Jesus. There are better days ahead. And one day, one glorious day, this season will come to an end. Amen. 
Now, back in the day when I was a kid, most of the churches I used to go to had a scripture text over the pulpit. In fact, some over the front door. If you go up the Avon Causeway, have a look uh, just as you go over the uh, spur road there at the, the neon lit God is Love sign. It's um, it was an old mission hall and I think it's an architect now, but they've kept the sign there over the door. God is love. But it's hard, highly unlikely to see a verse from John 16, 33 over the pulpit. In this world, you will have trouble, says Jesus. Not many churches have that. It might be a bit discouraging. But the reality is for us as men and women on a journey of faith is when we come to Christ, we're not promised an easy life. I mean, Paul trails this passage in chapter four with those familiar verses we read at the beginning of our text. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. It's been a tough journey, says Paul. And he reminds us that that with the very presence of God in us, yes, it's held in these fragile, ordinary, everyday vessels. Verse 7 there, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And in simple summary, Paul says this, we've had a tough time, says Paul. Me and my buddies have been out on the, the mission field and we've had a tough road. We've had a tough journey. I've suffered more than many of you. But again and again and again and again, God has proved himself more than faithful. Outwardly, yes, it's a tough world, says Paul. And I bear the marks of that in my body. I have suffered physically for the faith in my life. But when I feel the pain of this and the pain of this world, you know what happens? It makes me lean deeper into the everlasting and loving arms of grace. And as a result, result I am restored inwardly. I am renewed. I am revived. And as I walk with Christ and stay close and obedient to him, I feel a weight of transformation on me. It washes over me and it heals me. And look at the change of perspective it gives Paul. I just want to encourage you with this from God's word this morning. You know, on first account, you might read this and say, Paul was almost dismissive now of his troubles. Verse 17 there, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an, ex an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Light and momentary troubles? Are you having a laugh, Paul? What are you talking about? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the pain I'm in? But Paul is not dismissing the magnitude of the hurt and pain here. Not at all. Instead, he's rebalancing it with a new perspective. He's saying, when I balance my inflictions on the scales on one side and add the weighty presence of the glory of God on the other, my burden just seems far, far lighter. And Paul isn't dismissing the time here either, the time perspective. 
when he says that word, the troubles are momentary. Yes, our, inflection, our afflictions may last a long time, on this earth perhaps. But Paul says, when I balance the length of my afflictions on the scales with the whole of eternity on the other side, it just seems like momentary to me. And Paul is simply rebalancing his thinking here with grace. He's changing his perspective and he's challenging us as the readers of this text to do the same. And he goes on to make this beautiful statement in verse 18 there. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You ever realised how counter-cultural that is? The world demands our attention with the now, the instant credit, the on-demand movie, the microwave dinner. Advertising executives like to make you think, if you want it, you just go out and get it right now. What you see is what you can have. But Paul says, no, sorry, that's complete bunkum. Don't waste your time and money. What you see here is all just temporary. All of this is just temporary. It isn't going to last. So don't bother fixing your eyes on it. Look beyond it, says Paul. Look to something far, far better, to what is unseen. Look for that which only your spiritual eyes, your faith eyes can see. The certainty of God's enduring presence, the assurance of his everlasting love, the certainty of our eternal hope in Christ Jesus. So let me challenge you this morning. What are you looking at? What is your perspective this morning? Come on, let's be honest with each other here. Where's your focus today? I just encourage you to be honest with yourself before the Lord right now. Are you living like all of this is temporary? The truth is, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't what all that you were created for. God has placed eternity in your heart. And much as your physical body wasn't designed for that, your soul, your inner man or woman is. The body is a jar of clay. It's frail. It's subject to decay. And frankly, one day it's going to break beyond repair. But the real you, your soul, was designed and created to last forever. As the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 13 there, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Amen. The bottom line is this isn't it for you. This isn't the end of your story. In fact, arguably, it's only just the beginning. Let me just perhaps uh, underline that to you by just taking a couple of moments to look at those first few verses of chapter 5, because they really underline the point here. Uh, chapter 5's first one says, For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 
Note again the deliberate way Paul uses his words here. Paul was a tent maker by trade, so he knew how to build a good tent, one that would last. But the time of writing this, most people didn't live in tents. Why? Because something far better had come along. Bricks and mortar had been invented. Tents by their very nature, they are only temporary li living accommodation. They're used by people on a journey from uh, people who are getting from A to B on transit, on route to their final destination. Few people in Paul's day lived permanently in a tent. They were only intended to be temporary dwellings for a season. And Paul describes the human body as a tent for exactly that reason. This body was never designed to be a permanent home. This body, by its very nature, is temporary accommodation for people on a journey, people who are in transit, transit en route to that final destination. It was never intended that we take up permanent residence here. It was intended to be temporary for a season. And Paul says, he goes on to say something, that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, note that word there, an eternal house in heaven, something far, far better than a tent. You know, that God's intention for us is not to, to give us a better tent or a bigger tent or a stronger tent. No, but a building, a building from God, a building made of bricks and mortar, something more permanent, something longer lasting, an, an eternal house in heaven. That word literally can be translated a home, a permanent place of residence. See, that's God's intention for you and for me. Not to replace what we've lost with more of the same, but to replace it with something far, far better, far, far stronger, something that will last far, far longer. One day, your traveling days, my traveling days will be over. One day, our days of living in this temporary accommodation will come to an end. And one day this tent will be packed away, folded away, and you and I will move into our new and more permanent homes. And we long for that, don't we? Don't we long for that? As verse 2 says, Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Paul says, while we wait, we groan. The word used there is not a moan, but a cry of anguish and despair. Paul says, deep within us, we have a godly dissatisfaction with the current state we're in. We are living in a broken world, but it's only temporary. We long to live in that permanent new home that God has prepared for us. But now we wait. We wait with, as those with hope, certain of that final glorious redemption. Praise God. And these far too frail and far too broken jars of clay we know will eventually be taken from us. This isn't it. This isn't it. Let me just... 
uh, unpack a little bit of our, uh, my own personal story, my wife, my beautiful wife, Janita. Um, some of you will know this story, some of you won't, but my beautiful wife, Janita and I, uh, for, in parenthood, it wasn't quite what we'd planned it to be. It just never really worked out for us. The, the closest we ever got was two first trimester pregnancies that very sadly ended in miscarriages. And as you can imagine, we've been through some uh, many, many years of heartbreak over this. It's been a tough, tough journey for both of us. And those who would walk with us know how the bucket loads of tears we've cried over this as we've grappled at times to simply even to understand the why question. But you know, you know what's kept us going through some pretty dark days? You know what it is? This isn't it. This is not the end of our story. One day we will have an answer to that why question. One day I'm sure we will be re reunited as a family again. One day these frail and broken tents we live in now will be replaced with a glorious and permanent new home. And just as some days we cry out for that day, and for each of us, I'm sure you can relate to that in your own pain, it's okay to groan. It's okay to cry out with a deep longing for that glorious day, because this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't the end of your story. It's not the end of my story. Let me just encourage you with God's word then this morning as we close. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So be encouraged. This isn't the end of your story. This is not how it ends. You have the whole of eternity yet to come. So be encouraged this morning, my dear friends. Fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Amen.